Well, hello, everyone. I'm Ron Thompson, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Twin Cities Church, and I want to welcome you to our online gathering. I just love that song. I hope that you were moved as you listened to it. And It's an invitation that each of us would run to God and be able to see him as our father and to receive his grace and be able to fall down in front of him. We're going to talk about that kind of response to the love that God has for every one of us today. And I'm just so glad that you chose to join us. And it's our privilege to bring you Church Online as we still uh, live under the shelter-in-place guidelines uh, given by our county, state, and uh, just so glad that you're with us. We're talking about how each one of us can come out of this time of crisis that we're all in and be stronger than we were before we entered it, before we started this whole craziness. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like to come out of this time of um, instability and uncertainty by being stronger in your faith and your trust in God than you were before this whole thing began, before the crisis started? The inspiration for this series is rooted in uh, words that are recorded in Joshua 1.9. God is speaking to Joshua as he's about to lead God's people into the promised land, into this time where they would be able to take the Uh, kingdom that God had given them, and uh, they were going to come up against all kinds of obstacles, and Joshua was hesitant, and Joshua was feeling insecure, and God spoke to him and said this. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the foundation for this series is not so much in the first part, be strong and courageous, but it's in that last part where he said that for the Lord your God... The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you think that you could have more courage, that you could be stronger if you always trusted that that God is with you? Do you believe that you would have more strength if you knew that the God who is with you, if you knew him better and were able to follow him more clearly? Well, that's what we're learning about in this series. God introduced himself to people much like us, And much like the way that we would introduce ourselves to other people as we would say, well, here's my name. That's the way he did it. He introduced himself by name. He gave them various names. And each name came at a unique time. In most cases, it was during a time of chaos or crisis. And God said, here's my name. And here's who I am going to be for you. You can trust me. And then he would reveal his character and his beauty in the name that he would give. Through the revelation of himself by name, God is answering the question that we all have. Is he going to be there for me when I need him? Will God be there for me? And the answer, according to the Bible, is a resounding yes, he will be there. And we learned in that first week as we looked at his name, Yahweh. In fact, we saw that that name Yahweh was used 6,800 times in the Old Testament. And we learned that God is saying through that name, I will be for you all that I say I am. You can count on that. See, folks, we can trust him. And that's why one of the key verses of the series comes from Psalm 910 that says, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. See, when we know his name... We can know him. And as we know him, we can trust him. That's the whole idea for this series is to be able to experience him. And today we're going to look at a name. It's called El Shaddai. 
Now, I first heard this name through a song. Uh, Amy Grant, who was the Lauren Daigle of my day, sang a song about God being El Shaddai. And so I'm going to play just a short clip of it for all the older people who are watching. If you're under 30, you probably don't even know who Amy Grant is. But so just humor those of us who are stuck in the 80s still, just a moment, and let's listen to this song. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El still the same by the power of the name El Shaddai El Shaddai Echamkana Adonai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai oh, That song brings back a lot of good spiritual memories. Uh, it was in 1982 I was 25, newly married, and had just turned my life over to Jesus Christ and returned to his church. And my pastor turned me on to a record album by Amy Grant that had this song on it. And I remember Darla and I, my wife, would sit in our little mobile home and we would listen to the words of this song and it moved us deeply. So here's the deal, though. We had no idea what El Shaddai meant. We knew Amy Grant was talking to God, so it must be God that she's referring to, uh, but we really didn't know what the word meant. And so that meant that we really didn't know the God that Amy Grant was singing so beautifully about and to, and we wanted to know that God. So you may be like we were, and so what I want to do today is I want to help us to understand a little bit better this word, El Shaddai, and what it means to us as God introduced himself with that name. So El Shaddai, uh, and its shorter version, Shaddai, is used 48 times in the Old Testament to refer to God. El Shaddai is translated into English as God Almighty. God Almighty. It's a combination of two words, El, and we looked at that last week as we talked about Elohim, that he's strong and mighty. It means he's powerful, and it's Shaddai, which has several possible meanings, of which I want to share some of those with you. We combine it together, and El Shaddai would be my all-sufficient God. That would be the first meaning, my all-sufficient God. It means that God, who ha he has everything, and that he will supply everything we need when we need it. But it also means that he's our all-powerful God. Uh, this is the idea that he's the kind of God who could create the majesty that we see, especially those of us who live in California, in the Sierra. As we go up and see the granite peaks and we just see the majesty of the things that God made. But it also means that he's an all-nourishing God. And it gets to tenderness here. So he's just not powerful and untouchable and unreachable, hard as granite. He's also a nourishing God. See, another possible Hebrew root word for Shaddai is a word that means a mother's breast. A mother's breast. The idea here is that as a baby finds all its nourishment at the mother's breast and the tender care that it needs, that we can find that in God. God reveals himself as a nurturing and a nourishing and a tender God. So around 300 B.C., a group of scholars set out to translate the Old Testament text into Greek, and they translated El Shaddai as God Almighty. God Almighty. And so that's the way that you'll find it in our English translations. And so you'll know it when you see it there. God Almighty literally means the one who has the power and might to nourish us and supply every need we have. 
That is El Shaddai. We already know him better. That's who he is. And so as a way to make this personal, I want us to just stop and think a minute and reflect on where we are and what's going on personally. I just want to ask, what's the greatest challenge that you're facing now? Is it different than you would have said it was on March 1st? Is your challenge even greater than anything you could have imagined on March 1st? Is it financial or economic or employment challenge that you're going through? Is it a constant fear that just nags at you and you can't seem to get rid of? Is that your challenge? Is it your health that's challenging you? Maybe you've received that negative diagnosis, but you can't get to see the doctor because he's not seeing people unless it's an all-out emergency. Or you're struggling over the diagnosis or of a a life-threatening illness to someone that you love. Is it a question of how you're going to help your aging parents, especially when they can't get out of the facility that they're in or you can't get in to see them? It's a question of whether you're going to survive with all the new demands that seem to be put on you, especially those of you who are parents of young children. I really have been thinking about you and hearing a lot of moms and dads talk about how this season has been so difficult for them, even though it has its rewards, it's also been challenging. Is it your home? Are things getting tense in your home? Are the irritation levels rising and getting higher as your patience seems to get shorter? How are you doing with depression, with anxiety, worry, overwhelming Sabbath, sadness? How about your harmful habits or activities? Do you feel alone? Do you feel overloaded? You know, it's just so interesting to me as we think about the challenges that we're in right now that our timelines seem to have been reduced to, from today to day. Instead of long-term thinking like, how am I ever going to get my kids through college? Or how am I going to ever pay for my medical bills? Or what business should I start that might help me in the future? Or whether I'm going to be able to reach my retirement goals. Today, we worry about what grocery store item will be featured in Hoarder's Digest. It's one of our biggest worries. Will we be able to get the things that we need today, right now? We worry about whether someone is following the COVID-19 guidelines concerning masks and gathering together and social distancing. On the other hand, some of us are concerned with worry that this whole thing may be made up and may be a hoax. And we're living with deep, deep angst and pent-up anger that's about to spew. Folks, I just want to say this. Whatever your challenge, whatever your concern, whatever your worry, whatever your struggle, please help. Please hear me say this with empathy. I care. I care about what you're going through. But then I want to say this as well. I care, but I don't have the power to do much about the things you're worried about or you feel challenged over. But God does. As we've seen, he's Yahweh, he's Elohim, he's Adonai, he's our ever-present, ever-self-existent, self-sustaining, mighty creator. He's the sovereign Lord, and that's the God who's for you. That's the God who's with you. The real challenge we face is whether or not we're going to trust in his sovereignty and love and compassion and grace and mercy. So what I want everyone to hear this morning who's listening is this. God cares. And God has the power to make a difference and to make a change. And he wants to do that by nourishing you. He wants to do that by coming and giving you strength. 
He wants you to realize that he has all the resources that you could possibly need. He's your all-sufficient God. He wants us to grow in our resilience. He wants us to move forward in our ability to face the struggles of life without caving in or giving up or going down. I'm talking about living with a strong faith and a trust in God to be who he said he would be. So God first introduces himself as El Jedi in Genesis 17.1 in the story of Abram, who will later be called Abraham, and Sarai, who will later be called Sarah. So what we're going to do today, just to kind of help us to understand this name of El Shaddai, is that we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at 25 years of Abram's life through six chapters of the Bible. You're going, oh my gosh, how long is this going to take, right? You're thinking that right now. I know you are. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, to open it to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look at just a minute, and I'm going to make four, and I'll just say this, quick observations about a God who can and will keep his promises. We're going to see that El Shaddai came and met Abram right at the point of his greatest need and his struggle as he was facing deep challenge and doubt right at the point of his deepest despair. So four observations. As we look at Abram's story, we see God's strong and personal power at work. And here's the first observation. Abram responded to God's call. He responded to God's call. When it began reading in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Okay, so we just have to have some context here. He's 75. God comes to him, you know, when he's thinking about retirement, not going out on a new adventure. He's more than likely employed in his father's idol-making business. He would make and sell idols, so he's more than likely employed there. He was maybe even next in line to inherit the business and take it over. And we find out later that Abram was married to a beautiful woman named Sarai. And we also learned that they don't have children, which was a huge struggle, huge deal in the culture in which they live. And God comes to him. We don't know if God had ever spoken to him or if he had a relationship with God. But God comes to him and calls him out and says, he says, I want you, Abram, to leave your home. I want you to leave your security. I want you to leave your family. Leave all that's familiar. Leave all you've dreamed of and go to a place I will show you. And he gave him some promises. He says, if you will do this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will protect you from those who mean to harm you. So Abram, he's sitting there as God's speaking to him. He says, God, God, wait a minute, wait a minute. You had me a blessing. Where do I sign up? And so he and Sarai loaded up and they moved to wherever God would lead them, to wherever God would guide them. And they started on a journey. And we're gonna take the next step in that journey now. We're gonna move into Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, we get to a point somewhere after he was 75. We don't know how old he is at this point, but he's been traveling for a while and God is still not followed through with his promises. And what we're gonna see here next is that he needed God's assurance. 
He needed God's assurance that he had heard from him and that God was going to do what he said he would do. So what he says in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my, my estate at this point is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood. He's 75, he's probably 80 when he's hearing this, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said this, he said, look up at the sky and count the stars as if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and it was credit to him as righteousness. So what chapter 15 begins with Abram wavering. Abram needed encouragement. He was having this moment where he needed God to come to him and say, this is what I told you. And you can trust me, this is what I'm going to do. He was looking at all the challenges that were before him. If he was ever going to be able to have the, the family that would be able to have na uh, nations that would you know, cover the earth. Now, as a great man of faith that Abram became, I just want to say this. He's a lot like you and me here. He's a lot like us. He's in the process of learning who God is and becoming a man of strong courage as he waits for the fulfillment of his dream. See, God said that he would be a father of a great nation, which meant that in order for that to happen, he either needed a son or that somehow through a servant who would take over his kingdom, his, all of his stuff, and become his heir, that that servant would be the one who would carry on his name. Like I said, he was probably over 80 at this point. We're not really sure. His wife was around 70. It's not looking like he was going to get God's blessings in the way he had imagined when God first called him. Maybe God has another plan. Maybe God's plan was that he wouldn't have a child and that he would use Eleazar, his servant, to carry out his plan. But God comes to him at this point of greatest need and not only affirms the promise that he had made back in chapter 12, but he now he makes a covenant with Abraham saying that he was going to bless him and he made it really clear this time. He would bless him with offspring. He would bless him with a child. So Abraham received God's assurance at this point, but being a human being, he still wavered in his faith. So as we think about his faith, if you think about a journey is that he heard the call and his faith went like this. He got discouraged and his faith went like this. Chapter 15, he got assurance and his faith went like this, but it took a shorter amount of time and his faith went back down again. That's his faith cycle. Sounds, looks a lot like mine. Maybe it's a lot like yours. I just think in this, we can see that the people of the Bible are just real people, just like us, and that God wants to come to us just like he came to them and encourage us and encourage us and that's what happens next what we're going to see next is he hits the bottom finally and he doubted god's plan he doubted god i don't know if you've ever been here this is a hard place it's a hard place when you've placed your faith in God, when you are banking on his promises to be true for you, when you're following his will, you're doing what you know that God said that he wants you to do, but you don't see things changing like you thought they would. 
I've been in these places. I've been with people in my office. We've sat and we've walked through and talked through the tears at their disappointment in God. Where is God? Where is God when I need him? And many of you may be feeling that same thing right now. Well, I just want you to know that's exactly what Abram was feeling. Age 85 now. Abram and Sarai, they are doubting God's plan. And so what they did, and this is our temptation as well, is they came up with their own plan. Abram and Sarai decided that God needed their help. Have you ever done this? It never works out. Never works out. We can look at the Bible and learn it. You can talk to other people and learn it. You can actually look at your own life and learn that as well. They took matters in their own hands. I'm just going to read two verses here because next week we're going to come back and look at this story in depth. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me. Did you notice this? Not just has God not given me, But the Lord has prohibited me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So what happens right here is that they twisted God's goodness toward them. And that's what Satan would do many times in our lives is he would twist God's words. and He would use them against God so that we would turn our face against God in doubt. And what happened, Abram and Sarah, they ran ahead of God now. They said, this isn't happening. We're now 85 and 75. We are getting older. This is never going to happen. And they took matters in their own hands, and they failed miserably. They failed. And they created all kinds of problems that we're still dealing with today. Now, what they did, just so you know, it was acceptable in their day. It was acceptable if you couldn't have children that you would use one of your your slaves or your handmaidens that you would use her to be able to have the children that would carry on your family name because having an heir was essential in this culture. But here's what I think. I think that they felt like at this moment that God had abandoned them. In reality, God was still working and he was working his plan for their good, but it was in his timing. It wasn't in their timing. See, they were in what people call a desert time with God. A desert time. Ann Spangler is one of the authors. I've recommended her book about the names of God for this series. You can see that on her website under Pastor's Picks. And uh, she was writing about this name, El Shaddai, and she was reflecting on a time in her life when she was struggling with anxiety. She was struggling with wondering if her life mattered. She was struggling to see if God really cared for her. He seemed to be absent And if not absent, he at least wasn't delivering as she would hoped. And this is what she said happened. She said, one night I woke up with a thought crystal clear in my head. You are in the desert right now. You are in the wilderness. Strangely, she said, those words comforted me. I'd been so anxious and confused about the future that I wondered whether I was even on God's radar. Now it seemed as if God was assuring me that he knew where I was, even if I didn't. So Anne was struggling to maintain her faith because she felt that God had abandoned her, that he had turned his back on her, and he wasn't coming through as she anticipated him to come through in her life. But when she realized that, wow, maybe God has me in a season that would be called a desert season, and that he's taking me through this season because it's a time of refinement. It's a time for me to learn more about him and more about myself. It's a time for God to change me. 
so that my faith would be deeper. When she realized all of that, she was realized that God was asking her to wait. Just wait. It wasn't that he wasn't going to do what he had promised, but that he wasn't going to do it now. And that she was going to be required by faith to wait on him. And she was reminded that Desert times have happened a lot in the lives of God's people. And she reflected back on the desert time when God's people were in the wilderness with Moses. For 40 years, they were in this wilderness time. And it looked like maybe they would never get to the promised land. But they had 40 years of waiting. But then God finally opened the door. He finally opened the door and they were able to go in and gain the promised land. They had to wait, though, for God's promise to come true. See, the wilderness wasn't where they were going to spend their time forever. And that's what Anne learned. That's what I've learned. And I hope that's what you can learn too. That's not our forever spot. They were on their way somewhere else, just like Anne was on her way somewhere else. Now, finally, we're going to get to chapter 17. As we look at Abram's story, we see how God's strong personal powers at work. And here it is. He trusted God's promises. He trusted God's promises. I want to begin reading in verse 1. When Abram was 99, so we're 14 years after we just read about in chapter 16, the Lord appeared to him. I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell down and God said to him, fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. That's the past. Your name will be Abraham for I'm making you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Then God said to Abraham, it is for you. You must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. I just love that. I just love what happened when God came to him and spoke to him. And he said that you will be fruitful. I am El Shaddai for you. You can count on me. Remember what that means. It means he's all sufficient. He has everything we need. It means he's all powerful He has the power to change everything. He created the majestic mountains. He's a God of majesty. And he's a God of all nourishing. He's tender. He allows us to grow strong by being nourished by him. And folks, I just want to say this. Anytime God makes a promise, he always keeps his word. God always keeps his word. What God says he will do, he will do. I've been quoting to you a quote from A.W. Tozer, and I want to read another one today. And he says this, anything God did anywhere else, he will do here. Anything God did any other time, he is willing to do now. Anything he ever did for other people, he's willing to do for us if we yield and obey. And that's what God said to Abram as well. When he first came to him in Genesis 17, 1 and 2, he said to him, he says that if you will walk faithfully with me, if you will be blameless, then I will 
bless you in these ways. I'm going to talk just a minute about that because that's our response too. That's a response as well. He's saying, if you remember me as El Shaddai, I will provide all your needs. So he says, walk faithfully with me. So he's saying, stick to the path. Remember along the way that Abram and Sarai got discouraged and they were tempted to get off the path. In fact, at one point they were almost off the path when they, were, when they tried another way, but God came to them and redeemed the situation. He just says, walk faithfully with me. He says, I know you're not gonna do it perfectly. I know there's gonna be times when you stray. I know you're gonna have ups and downs, but what I want you to do is to do this. I want you to walk on the same direction toward me. If you get off, come back and walk with me faithfully again. When he says blameless, some of us might think, oh my word, he's calling me to be perfect. In order for me to receive the promises that he's made, I have to be perfect, but God's not saying that. That's not what God says here. He's saying, even if you have doubts, even if you take matters into your own hands, remember that I'm not interested in perfection. You know, that you've arrived, that's not gonna happen in this life. Remember that I'm interested in direction, that you're on the path that I've put before you. He was to walk with God faithfully, which means he was to do life with God. He was learn, to learn to know God. He was going to learn to experience God's presence, to talk to him, to worship him, to listen to him, to be trained by him, and then transformed and changed by him. He was to walk with God blamelessly. That means he was saying, God was saying, I want you to do life my way, Abram, from here on out, in a blameless way. And when you stumble, and you will stumble, I want you to pick yourself back up again, and I want you to trust in my grace and mercy, and I want you to walk with me again. When you say he wants to walk faithfully, I got a picture of what that means this week from a woman named Beth Moore. Many of you have heard of Beth Moore, but she talks about this word walk and uses it to picture, she says, in the Hebrew, it pictures two people walking face to face. Now, how do you do that, right? How do you walk face to face? Well, I had a picture that I wanna give you that I think might help as we think about this, walking face to face. And so I remember when my kids were little, okay? I remember when they were small, and let's just gotta say about three and four years old, and uh, that maybe even younger when they were learning to walk, is that they would, I would be holding them by hand, I would pick them up, or they would step up, and they would put their feet on my feet, and I would hold their hands, and then we would walk around the house, and it would be face to face. See, I think that's what God's calling us to. I think he's calling us to say, come to me, run to me, I'm your father. Put your feet on mine. Let me hold your hands. Let me nourish you, and we will walk face to face because I am your God. I am God, El Shaddai. That's why I love the song that we sang earlier, Run to the Father. I want to read a couple of lyrics to you because I think it fits so well uh, to this moment. The chorus is this. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again. And Abraham, it says there, was so blown away by God's invitation. Remember, he had taken matters into his own hands and Ishmael was born. And now he comes and God's offering him grace. Not judgment, not condemnation, but offering his presence. And it says in verse 3 that he fell face down before God. There's not a more vulnerable position 
that a human being can place themselves in it. We're defenseless. And yet God, Abraham, placed himself in that position before God because he trusted his God. And he wanted to show his God that he was absolutely submitted and surrendered to him. I'm going to read one more verse to you, and then I'm going to pray with this. Psalm 91 that Emily read earlier, it says this, whoever dwells, and that's talking about walking with, being with, what we're talking about today, in the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Can we pray together? God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to hear from you about who you are, El Shaddai, that name just rolls off our tongues, especially as we can hear Amy Grant singing it in our heads. El Shaddai. God, but now it has just deeper meaning. It's not just a name. That when you gave us that name, you were saying to us, I am your all-sufficient God. The God who created everything, who owns everything, the Lord of all has come to you and said, I will take care of every need you have. It says, I am your all-powerful God. I'm a mighty God, but not the kind of God that has the strength that you can't come to, but the strength you can come to because you're in awe of my majesty, and we thank you, God, for that. And then that you are all-nourishing God. I don't know many people who would look at you that way. As a baby would nestle into a mother's breast, safe and secure, sound, being nourished, being loved, being held, that that's who you are as El Shaddai, our all-nourishing God. I pray today that you would help us to know how to walk faithfully with you, and I think the key is, is that we look to you, we put our feet onto your feet, let our hands be held by your hands, and we walk looking into your face. The God who loves us. No condemnation. The God who wants to help us through our difficulties, our struggles, and our challenges. That we would walk blamelessly and that God, that when we do fail, when we do stumble, when we do get off track, that we'd be quick to to move back into your path, move back into your arms of grace, quick to run back to the Father. And God, that we would be people who live submitted and surrendered face down before you in worship, in awe, in love with a God like you. And I just thank you for this opportunity for us to be encouraged today because we live with so many challenges but you are greater than any challenge we face. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Wow. Well, I'm just so thankful that you joined us. And I just wanna pray and ask you that there's a place for you to move into a connection card in our chat room. And I'd just love to have your response to today. Don't just let it move you, but just take a moment now or after we're finished and just have a moment to respond to him. Love it if you would give your prayer request because I'd love to be able to pray for you this week. 
love it if you'd be able to take a chance to give there because in order for us to continue to offer the kinds of services we have and to be ready when we are all able to gather again publicly, we need us all to be faithful and generous in our giving. So we're going to just take just a moment and give you a chance to respond. You get to listen to music for about a, one minute, and I'll come back with some closing thoughts before we wrap up for today. Well, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to next week as we come together. We'll be taking another one of the names of God. We'll be talking about how through that name that we can realize that we can seek in him a stronger significance. We all want to know that we're significant. We all want to know that we matter. And God gives us a name that shows that he sees us right where we are. And that's a good thing that we can know that. I also want to encourage you, if you go ahead... And later on, download our app. It's a great way for you to get church resources, to be able to be ready for the services when they come. Watch them through that app. It'd be a great opportunity uh, for you to do that. Now, as we wrap up, you can have some time after we're finished. You can make some comments, and you can do other things on our website. We're just so glad that you joined us today. I want you to remember this. God loves you. El Shaddai loves you. And we love you. And we'll see you next time we gather. Have a great week.